this is a restless reaction. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome back to Restless, where we are breaking down the young restless and reform movement. Today, we have a reaction video, and this is exciting, Matt. Do you know why this is exciting today? I don't know why. That makes it this exciting. Is exciting. This is exciting because you usually are bringing me videos that I'm going into blind, and today I get to bring you a video that you are going blind into. That, that's right. I, I normally queue things up around here, but today I have no idea what we're doing other than that we are continuing a discussion we started on celebrity culture. That's right. So we had a, an episode that has now dropped on celebrity culture more broadly. And so we wanted to do a reaction video having to do with that topic. And it turns out that we actually have a video from Together for the Gospel. This is from June 16th, 2016 is when it was posted on YouTube. It's called Celebrity Pastor Indecent Exposure? Question mark. And it is panel number six from said conference. So uh, we're going to go in and I'm going to show you clips of this video so that we can respond to it. Having already done our little bit about celebrity culture, we now get to listen to actual celebrity pastors discussing the same issue. Yeah, I, th I think it will be good that to give the new Calvinists at one of their main conferences a chance to address it themselves, right? We want to we want to let we want to be fair uh, as we can and and hear what they have to say. So now this is this is interesting. So uh, this is far enough back where you still have uh, CJ Mahaney. So CJ Mahaney is going to be in this video. Uh, he's a uh, still a major fixture in T4G because nothing has kind of gone on with him. Uh, so in this video we have Legan Duncan. We have the BD Anabwile, we have CJ Mahaney, we have David Platt, we have Matt Chandler, and they bring on Carl Truman, uh, uh, a very, you know, kind of well-known critic of celebrity culture and of kind of the big evangelical conference circuit. Yeah. Because just before this is going on, he had been writing about the problems of places like T4G and the celebrity pastor circuit and how it really was not uh, helpful. And he has his criticisms. And so they asked him to come on and actually talk with them about it. And so this is fascinating because yeah. Truman is clearly uh, a little bit uncomfortable. You'll have to go watch the video for yourself if you're just listening to it. But he also has no problem just being the stick in the mud guy saying what is true. And God he, bless him for it. He, he plays a great stick in the mud. Uh, yeah, we will make sure we link to this video in the show notes so you can see it. And we'll try and find at least one of the Truman articles uh, where he talks about either big evangelicalism or the celebrity pastor. Let me just say before we start, this cadre of people will never sit on a stage again together, yeah. ever. I mean, just it, it, it just it, it doesn't have to do with celebrity culture, but our main topic of the breakdown of this group you you just see it because the name these names will never will never share a room the way they are in this and so i i have no power to start and stop folks we are we are turning things over to pastor michael to guide our ship through this video well let's jump into it so uh, we're not going to watch the whole of the video because it's almost half an hour long but i'm going to pick out certain clips for you to react to with me so let's jump in 
good friend. Ser seriously, let me tell yep. you what I want to do. Um, I, I want to begin, I want to talk with, first with Carl and then with Sabidi about what we mean by celebrity pastors and, and get to the nub of the issue of what the dangers and the opportunities are. And then I want to talk pastorally about the dangers that brothers face who have an opportunity for wider influence and the dangers that we face in relation to our attitude towards brothers who have a, a wider influence. That's good. And, and address this from a serious pastoral. We can f poke fun and joke with one another like we already have, but I want this to serve you in that yes. regard. I also want good. you to understand some of the logic behind why we've done what we've done at Together for the Gospel, because our purposes, in fact, have not been to foster a superficial celebrity That's culture, right. but to deeply serve pastors yes. yeah. and local churches as best as we can. Well so said. let's have a word of prayer and then we'll begin. Well so this is just how they set it up. Right. Yep. So the two uh, issues that they're looking at is with the celebrity culture being what it is, there's guys who have what they start talking about is wider influence and what happens to them. Guys. Yep. Right. So the guys on this stage, Matt Chandler, David right. Platt. And then the other issue that's clearly also a really bad issue is how we react to people that have been given that yeah. kind of influence. Yeah. And the third thing they said was that while it might look like we've created a kind of celebrity class, that was not the goal of Together for the Gospel, which is great. Thanks, Chancellor Duncan. What we'd love to do if you let us is to show you a couple of website ideas we have for your business. Oh, of course. Okay. So I said what I said. I think we can go straight into the next clip. Let's do it. There's setup. Um, Carl, what is a celebrity pastor? And talk just a little bit about some of the concerns that you raised in the discussion well, that popped up. Uh, I think one of my major concerns is that uh, your celebrity pastors have to wear these Britney Spears microphones. <laughs> that's vaguely uh, ridiculous. Um, I, I think we, we live in a world that the Western culture is, is celebrity culture. Now, you can argue about the, the fine points of definition there. The way though, I would use the term is that we, we tend to invest peculiar power and authority in specific individuals, even outside of their own sphere of competence. So Hollywood is a great example that you, you have these, these Hollywood actors who are very competent actors, but around about election time, they're pontificating on everything from global warming to the economy. They're more or less incompetent in these areas, right. but we put this, this huge authority <laughs> and, and power we invested in them. Yeah. I think that knowing that society or that our culture is, is set up to, to receive the big individual in that way places an onus on the church to be very careful in how it presents the influential figures within the church. And now I bring it back to a sort of a specific issue for me. I uh, teach at Westminster. Uh, I'm also a part-time pastor, but my primary call is to, is to teach men for the ministry. And one of the things that's concerned me over the last couple of years is when I ask students, you know, who's been the most influential preacher in your life? Almost never do they actually say, well, it's the man who preaches at my home church. They will mention names, some of whom are represented here today, some of whom are not. And that concerns me because here you have a detachment of the influence of the preaching of the word from the day-to-day -day pastoral ministry that's going on. And, and that's, that, that's one concern. The second concern would be if I ask students, you know, who do you want to be like? The aspirational model of ministry is increasingly one which is nothing like that which they're actually going to experience. Most students leaving are going to be pastoring in churches like the one I'm connected to. We're 100 people on a Sunday morning. Maybe we'll grow to 200, God willing, in the next 10 years. Who knows? But most of my students are going to go out and pastor small, unknown churches. And if they have an aspirational model of ministry that the, they've got to be a David Platts or a C.J. Mahaney or a Matt Chandler, that's a problem for me as, a, as, a, as an educator. 
that, of course, is not implying anything in the, in the motivation of those who are pastors of big churches. Right. Praise God there are big churches. Yeah. Praise God that there are men who are gifted and that he's blessed in that way. Yeah. But when it becomes an aspirational model for most students, that's, that's a real problem. That's and good. it's a problem on the ground in seminaries. I wonder if it has some impact on the burnout rate. There's a very high burnout rate of students leaving seminary and going into pastoral ministry. Many of them leave within five years. Is that because they look to guys like you and they think that's what I'm going to experience. And then they, they end up in a church in the middle of nowhere with 50 people who are fighting each other all the time. And it's nothing like the aspirational model that they picked up. So I would say my two primary concerns are the detachment of the preaching ministry from pastoral influence and the creation of an unrealistic aspirational model. All of that is to say that is, that is a result of the reception of mega church pastors in the culture. It's not necessarily a fault of mega church pastors themselves, though I would then count and say that we need to take every... Those of you who are big names and very influential need to do everything you can to make sure that you're not promoting yourself, even surreptitiously, that you're promoting Christ. I quoted Luther yesterday, who perhaps was the, the first celebrity pastor, 1521, the trade in Luther posters takes off in Europe. He is the first celebrity. Uh, but Luther has this, when, when he returns to Wittenberg in 1522, he, he preaches this famous sermon. In it, he, he's explaining how the Reformation was successful. And he says, you know, I was asleep. I was sitting in the pub. I apologize to the Baptist. But, you know, I, was, I was sitting in the pub drinking beer. And the word was out there doing it all. Now, he's, he's making a smart aleck quip in some yeah. ways. But he's also emphasizing the fact that really it was nothing to do with me and my person. It was ultimately the word of God that did it. Mm. And uh, so my, my hope and prayer is that the very influential pastors of very large churches do everything they can to minimize themselves. Church history is not great in showing how one big pastor is succeeded by another pastor. Right. Yeah, um, right. And I suppose if I can add one, one last point as well, the, the, the aspirational model, I think, connects to the intrusion of worldly categories of success uh, as opposed to faithful categories when paul is so That's this is gold this is hallelujah yeah, is that good also what a great voice right oh, this yeah. guy what a Dude, great voice th this is this is the equivalent of the paul washer sermon for the t4g audience i don't know why you're clapping i'm talking about you and i'm going to say your names i thought he was just going to give the like subtle British jab, like, oh, they wear they wear microphones like this, right? We're the we're on the stage. No, then we get like the people on the stage. He um, literally says their names. <laughs> and he starts saying names. Fantastic. Oh, and it gets better. It really does. Like, and so he's clearly trying to be careful too. He's saying, hey, yeah. listen, it's not bad this to have a big church, right? That happens. That's not necessarily wrong, but here's my concerns. And they're really valid concerns. Yeah. You know, he, I think he's summarizing probably some of the articles he was putting out at this point, but these are valid concerns. They are what's happening, right? Everything he described about the person who's what, who is most influenced on you, what person do you want to be like the most? Yeah, I should say, I mean, Carl Truman's articles about this topic, probably around this time were really helpful for me in trying to figure out, yeah, what exactly is going on here? You know, what exactly is this kind of big Eva conference machine trying to do and is it helpful? He, he brings up though the thing that I do want us to think about what does it mean for a pastor to be a public figure and not a celebrity? Because yeah. Luther was a public figure, was the most important public figure of that century, right? Um but he, but even even the like Luther poster trade, like he still wasn't a celebrity pastor 
in the way that celebrity pastors are today. And so I think it's just a useful thing. And I do think, you know, I think that we need to be super on guard, right? And, and I think maybe, and maybe they'll get into this. So I, you know, I don't need to go off on this, but I think a lot of the draw to it from churches or setting up conferences like this is the pragmatic success it offers, right? And even if I'm a local pastor, if I can point you to a book or a talk from one of these people, it's probably, you know, going to, like, it's probably going to be impactful for you in perhaps ways that me sitting down with you wouldn't be, so. Right, yeah, well, let's listen to this. So they, there is some pushback here. Uh, oh, and Thabiti Anabwile had been writing articles kind of back and forth with Carl Truman at this mm. time kind of trying to defend a little bit against what Carl Truman was saying. So that's where we're jumping in, I believe. Um, let's, let's begin where Carl ends. Paul says, find faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Yeah. But he also says, show double honor to men who serve well, especially those whose work is, is the ministry of the word. What, Paul is, or what Carl is not ruling out is the appropriate expression of appreciation for faithfulness, yeah, right? And, and what concerns me is the, the sort of wide indiscriminate use of celebrity pastor. Right. Catches up in the net a lot of things and a lot of people that on inspection we wouldn't want to label in that way. So I, I think if I could just toss out two labels, I think it's important to distinguish between celebrity in the sort of pejorative way in yeah. which we talk about it, uh, a kind of being famous for being famous yeah. um, without the substance of accomplishment and yeah. faithfulness. Um, with a, a story that's surrounding that person and cultivated and, 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 and propagated in media um, and the fawning and adulation of, of folks over that mythology, really. I think we have to draw a, a pretty clear distinction between that phenomena and let's use the label notoriety. Because the other thing that, that Carl is not saying is that celebrity equals being publicly known. Right. It's very, yeah. been very clear in that. Yeah. And so there is a proper notoriety. Yeah whether it's in the local church context or whether it's in a wider context, um, wherein persons who have been faithful, whether it's in their writing or their preaching or, or, or just steadfastly loving their wives and their children and so on and so forth, there is a notoriety that grows up that isn't about myth-making, isn't about story-making, uh, and it isn't about sort of publicity-seeking um, in order to sort of receive um, celebrity. That I think we want to be careful to, to sort of actually recognize, identify, ex you know, distinguish, protect, um, and, and in appropriate ways, and that's part of the discussion, in appropriate ways, um, honor. And so that's what, that, that was sort of my interaction on that point. That's very helpful. Is that helpful, Matt? I don't know. Um, I think he, at the end, is sort of drawing the distinction I'm asking about what the appropriate way to be a public figure versus a celebrity is but what does that have to do with showing honor i i if if he's agreeing with the point i just made before we watch that video he's doing it in a way that makes me want to disagree with him <laughs> yeah we'll see uh, so they're gonna uh, throw start throwing it out too David Platt, Matt Chandler, who, especially at this time, I assume that they're still in this position. I don't actually follow them. So I don't know yeah. if they're still in the same point, but like, these are like the biggest of biggest new Calvinist right. churches. But, but yeah, this, this statement about the, the showing honor, right? Again, Paul is, Paul isn't even talking about himself, right? If we think in the early church, who would have been the closest figure to this kind of figure? Paul, Paul would have, right, to the early church, right? Which is why Paul in Corinthians tells them, I'm glad I didn't baptize any of you, right? You can't claim me. 
the honor he's he's talking about are to like right why does he have to say this is double honor not because i naturally adulate you know but because my faithful pastor who loves his family meets with me cries with people who need it preaches faithfully the world shows no honor to him and 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 that's the person i'm being commanded to honor i'm not being commanded to honor anyone on that stage unless they happen to be my a a a shepherd right in in my life right that's a good distinction right so there's almost the implicit idea in what and willie just said that uh showing double honor to those in in the context it's to those who labor in preaching and teaching uh that must mean that right. you need to show that honor to all right. pastors indiscriminately if they seem to be faithful some of them deserve celebrity is kind of what he's saying some of them yeah. deserve notoriety well and the context of that passage that really the double honor is actually like physical provision right exactly so it's, it's not just honoring them for their status which which you're right. supposed to do with all elders but also there are some who are set aside it's a teaching elder yes that's right you should give double honor to in that you should provide for their physical needs so that they can labor in this way and uh obviously you wouldn't say well we should be tithing to matt right. chandler's church because right. he's doing a good job right all right let's let's throw it out to the jump the, into the some of the celebrity pastors the, the biggest we ones. Do, so I want to say one thing about the aspirational point that Carl made that's very good. When Mark and Al and CJ and I wanted to put... Oh, this is actually, this is uh, Legan Duggan explaining uh, their purpose in creating Together for the Gospel. Kind of, it, so in, in my read of this, he feels a little bit like the shots are coming at him and the Together for the Gospel guys because the only people on the stage are celebrity pastors. It's like a the gathering only of are, celebrity are well, pastors. It's a gathering of what we would call celebrity pastors. They're well-known, they're high profile, and they're not just regular little guys. And I don't know if it's here or if it's going to be a little bit later on, but Carl Truman straight up is sitting on a panel with all these guys who are invited to these things. I, I bet he was never invited back again. And he literally says, why do you do it this way? Like you could have some of you celebrity pastors and you could invite some really faithful, regular pastors. So why don't you do that if this is your goal? So we'll you know, listen we have, and see. If we have this the is breakout now. sessions for those guys. No worries. We have the breakout <laughs> sessions. That's right. So let's see this. But John Piper in front of you eight years ago started dreaming about that leading up to 2006. It was not because he was a celebrity. It was because he had spoken the truth of God deeply into our souls. He was a faithful pastor, and God had given him, for which we praised the Lord, a wide influence of a helpful and a biblical sort in evangelicalism. Yes. And we, we, we exulted in that. Yes. We did not intend to say to a brother who's pastoring a 65-member church, you're nobody, he's somebody. We wanted to encourage that brother in his faithful ministry in that 65-member church to do it with zeal exactly. and with joy. Exactly. And we, we simply wanted to serve him in that. Exactly. And I know that, that that's John's heart. John, John wants to make nothing of himself yes. unless he can use yes. what God has put into his yes. hands in order to serve a larger, more important yes. service. And so I, I would want people to know that. Yes. The, the aspirational thing still is an issue we have to deal with. Yes. But that motivation is very important for yes. me to, to, to convey to you. Yes. I would it, he does seem like a little bit like he got shot. And this is when I think that, uh, that Truman jumps back in on that. 
they have all the best intentions and still mess up there. Yes, but I mean, the conference the conference exists to dissuade people from aspiring to a celebrity pastor. The conference exists to honor ordinary pastors as doing the most important and difficult work. That's why this conference exists. Uh, no, obviously I don't do this a lot because I would have noted down what exactly each of these clips says. No, so they're they're defending T4G, right? They right. are defending T4G saying, we exist to help the regular ordinary pastor. And Truman is going to come back and say, then why don't you put them on the stage? You, you, and you are, you are not supposed to want to aspire to be on this stage. That right, is that, a strange, it's strange. Yes. And again, I, I think it's, it's, it's possible to, to just say that John Piper is exposition on fire and we want to create a venue for pastors to be blessed by that. Yep. And, and that that's kind of, (laughs) it's celebrity though. I mean, like, (laughs) but there isn't a, there isn't a clear way around that, you know? Uh, Right. And, and so uh, Truman's going to make that point. So I'll, I'll let him make the point. We're actually, so uh, next, before they get back to him, this is kind of a roundabout. They go into this kind of defensive T4G and then they're going to throw it out to David Platt and to Matt Chandler and say, basically, what's it like being a celebrity pastor? And it's interesting to see their responses here. Yeah. You do. And I'm going to ask Matt the same question. What do you do to protect your heart in that kind of a situation? Your heart. To be perfectly honest, this whole conversation is really frightening. Um, Personally, um, I I feel like um, this conversation just brings to the fore a a poison that is just put before my own soul on a, on us in a, in a scary way. Uh, John, John 330, he must become greater. I must become less. Like I really believe, I think in my heart, try to be very sincere. This is a very David Platt way of Christ to become greater. But I am tempted at every turn. And this was before anybody was listening to me for that matter. Uh, but even more so, I'm tempted to turn that around and say, he must become greater. And I, I wouldn't mind becoming greater in the process, too, as opposed to he must become greater. I must become less. Yeah. Yeah. And the culture that Carl is talking about seems to war against that at every turn, which means I've got to war all the more. Right. So pride uh, has always been a problem for me since I was born. Um, so that battle, it just becomes, I guess, all the more intense, more tempted to put confidence in yourself, more tempted to seek glory for yourself. And I just, I want to, I want to fight it and be a very, and I think there, it does involve an intentional fight, an intentional battle, because I want to be, I want it to be shown on the, on the day when it's done and it's over that yeah. all of this was for yeah. your, that you yeah. might become greater and I might become yeah. less. That's what I'm praying toward. Yeah. I want to fight toward that end, but it's, it's a fight. Yeah. I, I, I would say the same thing. And and then on top of that, put because of the cultural piece, it, it really feels like you're, like for me, I just feel like I'm fighting a beast that just simply won't die. Because th- there's steps I want to take even at the village that show, hey, I don't believe I'm a celebrity. Yeah. I, and so look, here's the position I'm in. If I, if I start to say, this is what I do to try to battle that, what happens? Oh, and, and then oh, look how awesome he is. He, he does that, he does this, and he does that. And so it's almost as if the, the, there's not a lot I can do to fight the wave of that. And, and then to be, to be frank, if, if anyone were to tell me there's not a part of their soul that enjoys that, I would probably call them a liar to their face. I'd be like, you're a liar. There's just no way you could convince me that there's not a part of you that you don't have to try to choke and push back down and go, no, that's not for you. Don't touch that. Yeah. And, and so I, I feel like what, what I'm worried about in my own life is, is not that this week I'm all of a sudden going to go, well, I'm Matt Chandler, dead gummit. I, I, what I feel like is that <laughs> um, over the next 15 years, yeah. because what happens, and I don't know if this happens to you, David, but, but people get in my ear. 
Like, like people get in my ear and go, why, why are you doing that? What, you know what, they, they should be doing this for you. What, why, what, what do you get paid? What, what do you, and so people get in my ear and people who love the Lord and, and come off like they love me are in my ear. And, I, and so my fear is not that I, I'm going to, you know, oh, the book's out. You know, now I'm an author. So you should, I'm not afraid of that. What I'm afraid of is over the course of the next 10 to yeah. 12 years, yeah. just drifting. And so I've, I've tried yeah. to build some, some defenses against sure. that. And it's really helpful that I'm in ministry with guys who knew me before there was a Matt Chandler. Yeah. And my, I think my wife is impressed with me as a husband and as a man of God. I, 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 she does not, oh, I'm so lucky to be married to Matt. I mean, I just don't, I, I don't know that that's, and maybe she would say she's grateful to be married to Matt, but th th there's no, let me say this. There's no celebrity culture at home. Yeah. yeah so there you go. From Dude. the lips of the celebrity pastors themselves. Yeah. And this, I, I am so much more attracted to Matt Chandler's vibe than David Platt's. So it's funny. These are two wings of evangelicalism, right? Where, yes. Like you have the one that's like, everything has to be this pietistic, like I'm almost crying serious. every yeah, time. I'm, right. I'm almost crying, dealing with my heart issues. Like it is, it's just very like overly sincere. Like, I, I don't yeah. know if that's the right way of putting it, but it is. And then Matt Chandler, it's just really funny. Yeah. But also he does say like, there, like some of what he says is a little bit like, it's a little bit of a humble brag. Yeah. Like a little yep. bit of a humble brag there. Uh, in the process of talking about how, you know, you try to, you know, clamp down on some of this. You're also talking about how you, you know, part of you likes it. And you're also talking about how you're, yep, you have but, a book out and you don't get paid enough. And let's, let's just say, thank you, Matt Chandler. Yes. People like it. Yeah. Right. Like, can we just, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's, like I love it. that. It was a very like straight shooter. Like, yes. Yep, and here's the problem. And again, right, he says, I don't believe I'm a celebrity. That's obviously not true based on the rest of his answer. He understands. Yeah. He, right. He's not dumb. He understands. Here's the last thing he said that I think is the the actual like thing they feel. It's because the celebrity and the culture in the church is weird. And what I mean is when he says there's no celebrity culture at home. Yeah. Your kids don't care. Like they don't. Your yeah. wife. I'm, I, I, I believe him about that. He also can go, you know, in public and nobody's like, it's Matt Chandler or right. right. Like nobody does that. Nobody's doing that with any of these people. And so, right. Nobody cares. But what? And so they're most of their life. It's I'm a guy named Matt. I'm a husband named Matt. I'm a, you know, I'm, I'm David. Right. Like, but what it ignores is the. That, that in the people that this is has impact on, it is deep and it is real. The people at this conference, this is it. This yeah, is a you've big had, deal. You've had experience talking to people. I, I've never personally been to a T4G. I know people who have done everything they possibly could to get to a T4G. Like I have to get there. And they like the way that they talk about like ascending this mountaintop right. of like spiritual maturity that is t4g and like being there and like god is really working here like as opposed to anywhere else like god is really working and this is what's great i love so much about carl truman is because i have one last little clip from this to show you and this is what truman just is an opc stick in the mud uh, you're saying all this stuff but why don't you do it and here's what you could do and basically yeah. just i mean he just puts up a challenge and the reality is i don't think that they've ever done it i was going to make a comment about something that a conference like this could do i 
having been an administrator at a seminary, I understand how money works. I understand the need to raise money. I look at this stadium and I think, you know, if you're going to you're going to get a couple of us OPC guys in here to headline. You're not going to fill this stadium. <laughs> um, I am pleased to see that the OPC is into pest control. But it might be yeah, pest control since 1972. That's what we've been doing in the OPC. I think it, 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 would it be impossible to have, out of nine speakers, have two guys that nobody's ever heard of? Okay, I'm one. To come, to come and speak. Yeah. Guys from churches Wrong. 100, 150, 200. There are good preachers out there in churches that size. Good preachers. Is it possible to have a couple of slots in the plenary sessions devoted to guys like that so that the message is sent out that, mm. yeah, we, we don't just, if you like, patronize ordinary pastors by talking mm. about them. Mm-hmm. We give them platform space as well. And there are different mm. aspirational models of ministry mm. out there. Brutal. I mean, just, and he does it like he does it with a little laugh and a little joke. And so like he comes in nonchalant, but man, that is, uh, I would call that devastating to the entire model that they've been talking about the problem of celebrity and how they don't want that. And all that they're about, everything that they're about is encouraging the regular pastor, but also we don't want someone like that on the stage with us. Right. And, and, and Dr. Ligon Duncan does not count. (laughs) Yes. That's, you know, it's, it's a wonderful <laughs> right. self-effacing move, but. But it's a joke because obviously it's not true, right? Right. Like, like the fact that he says that with a smile and like, yep, no big deal. Like it's because it's obviously not true and everybody knows that. Yeah. So you watch, you watch the whole video to pick the clips. You Do really they... got most of it. I mean, that is the vast, yeah. vast majority of it. Do they, do they, do they understand what's, do they understand the problem? So I was just trying to look up uh, the, you know, past, past lists of those who have spoken at a T4G. Cause maybe it's possible that they did listen to this. Cause if I'm honest, I didn't, I've not paid that close attention for a long time. I used to, right. I used to listen to all of the main, main, uh, you know, speakers and everything from, uh, the conference once it came out, but uh, it does not seem to me that the actual issue at hand is dealt with, but they know that the issue is there. They Mm -hmm. are, you see it in those clips, right? They are aware they're trying to defend themselves. And when, when Liam starts defending himself a little bit, defending T4G and why they do stuff like bring in a John Piper and why they wanted to do that, when he's defending himself and he's clearly a bit worried, right? He's clearly concerned. Like he clearly feels almost attacked, which he is. I mean, Carl Truman has outright, even on the stage, but even before this, like he has been attacking the whole model of a T4G type, like the whole idea of conference circuit Christianity. Like, why does this matter? Why would you do this? This Uh, Instead of focusing on the local regular ministry of the church. And uh, the fact that he feels attacked, and the others try to defend what's going on. They know that this is a problem. This is right. this is why uh, C.J. Mahaney has to come in and say, "Well, that I mean, the purpose of this was never the celebrity. It was always for the regular, ordinary pastor." And this leaves them wide open for Truman. And I don't think that they probably thought he would do this. Honestly, I think probably I, I, I'm not trying to like get at their motives, but just as like a normal human reaction. It's, hey, if we get this guy on the stage with us, he's obviously not going to say anything that will outright embarrass us and destroy our whole model of comp- of this conference. And Truman, in a very, like, you know, sincere, like, kind of, you know, fun way, 
He doesn't. He right. says, if this was actually what you were about, then you could bring in a couple of regular pastors who you guys probably know. You probably know just regular everyday pastors of small churches. And if you really wanted to help those, not just aspire to celebrity, but aspire to just loving the local church, you could bring those guys in. And the fact that you haven't, like that shows something about the whole model. And yet Truman's understanding, right? Again, you can't, you wouldn't have a massive conference if it was all those guys, you know, you just wouldn't. And that's, that's understandable. Truman, there's a lot we could say about it. I think he models wise polemics here. Totally. Very much so. This, this, he is, he is doing it well because it is, it is brutal, but it is still done in a way to build up the body. That's right. In in whatever format that is. Let me, let me say something that as I think about this, this is again where we just see this is evangelicalism because evangelicalism is the, we have good intentions and we're trying to do something good, right? I have good intentions. I think lots of pastors will like, will enjoy, right? Like this will be their vacation getting to hear John Piper. Right. And there's, you could put in whatever conference you want, T4G, the gospel coalition, whatever John Piper's one is, you know, like that pastors will be helped and enjoy these things. Right. And are right. They actually are. That is true. Like that, that does, that does happen. Yes. And so, and it becomes this, I have these good intentions and I've come up with an idea to do something. Right. I have a few questions about where to maybe leave our, our conversation. So one is right. If this is designed to help pastors, is there another way to do this? Is this what, is this what pastors need? I'm asking the pastor, right? right. No, that is a, that is a really good question. Right. And I think that this is why the whole conversation is even happening. Is this actually beneficial to be uh, constantly bringing people together to, to what, even if it's not your intention, what the outcome is, is it, it does continue to kind of just lift up certain profiles, certain uh, men. Uh, And I don't think it's helpful. I I Mm. think I have not thought through this deep enough, well enough, uh, but I have come to feel that the whole idea of like conference circuit Christianity is really harmful in some ways. Uh, And it's always this, right? There, There has to be an event right? The way God works is through events. It's a kind of like maintaining a kind of revivalism, uh, right? right? You have to go to a camp. You have to go to this conference and that's where God teaches you. That's where he really stretches you. This is again, ascending the mountaintop, ascending the Mount of transfiguration where you get to see the Lord in all of his glory. And then you come back down to the regular day-to-day stuff where you can bring some of that glory and you can kind of help people with it, but uh, it's not the same thing. Pastors need revivals too. That's what this is. Yeah, I think so. Pastors need revivals too. So I do, I I have problems with the very uh, uh, idea of it. And uh, if the the only thing was getting men together for encouragement or to hear the word preached or something like that, I mean, we could, uh, you can do that on a, you know, presbytery level. 
you can do that on a, on a smaller local level, you know, with different pastors in your city. I don't know. There's, there are other ways that you could do that and find that. Uh, but maybe not when you're in a kind of typical evangelical or Baptistic church. Yeah. Yeah. I think it is interesting to consider the, the needs of pastors and let's move away from this and consider what they need. So you've already answered that, but I think we should return to that. I have another question for you. What do you aspire to as a pastor? Yeah, I suppose you, I I would just want to say, I mean, I aspire to faithfulness, right? Just right. Mm -hmm. Just faithfulness. I just want to be faithful, uh, whatever that, whatever (laughs) that uh, looks like. Um, I do. I'm just thinking in my head about CJ Mahaney saying that. And, you know, it, I understand that there, that there are issues. I'm not a, I'm not like a well-known figure or like a personality that it's like, man, uh, I, my church is just growing like crazy because everybody thinks I'm really great and funny. Uh, that's not happening. <laughs> right. So I'm not, I'm not one of these guys. Uh, and so I understand that maybe, you know, because I'm not in the position, maybe, you know, this is not as uh, insightful as I think it is, but if you have a church, uh, let me give an example. Our church here in La Crosse, Wisconsin, uh, we could, we could probably have, I don't know, uh, 200 people, maybe like we could squeeze 250 people in like to the size of the church. And that was intentional actually when it was built. Uh, I've been told by those who were here, I was not here when it was built, but I was told by those who said, when we built it, you know, we built it with a particular size in mind, thinking if we ever get close to, you know, needing a bigger building, we'll just plant a church, right? We'll just send people out to start another church. And this is something that we'll do another reaction video sometime of the multi-site church conversation between Mark Dever and, uh, the two renegades of the gospel coalition, James McDonald and Mark Driscoll. But it seems like there's this same idea, right? Where you have this giant church and more and more people keep coming. And the only answer is, well, we just keep doing that, right? We just keep adding. We just keep growing. It's helping people. Because it's right. Because again, the motivation, it's helping people. People are coming. People come that maybe wouldn't otherwise come because it's a big church or something like that. But you there are ways that you could actually spread it out, like make sure that, you know, there, there are uh, other churches in other places. I don't know. There's, I don't know if I'm really clear in what I'm saying, but I just, I do think that there is something broken in the whole way that it is, that it's viewed from the start. Uh, And so, yeah, I mean, aspirationally, you should aspire to be faithful, whatever that looks like. Uh, Right. I've, I've, uh, I, I could do a lot of different things uh, with my life. And if the Lord saw fit to, you know, uh, keep my pastorate at the same size that it is now for the rest of my life, there would still be way more for me to do than I can accomplish, right? Like there's, there's still way more shepherding than I could than I feel like I could possibly do. There's so much discipling that's needed uh, with so many people all the time. And it continues to grow all the time. Uh, You know, anytime someone new enters a church that I guess anybody in a church of of probably any size could feel like 
I mean, there's plenty here. There's, there's more than I could possibly do. Uh, faithfulness is, is, I think, the prime motive, goal, aspiration of the pastorate. And God gets to determine, it's true, the boundaries of what that looks like. You know, uh, he determines the sizes of churches and things like that. But there's also a, a level of prudence and wisdom that I think someone like, you know, Carl Truman is pointing out that there are other things that you could do besides just trying to get the maximum amount of people, just trying to get the people, the names that will bring in the most amount of people to a conference. Right. There are other things that you could do that would actually be more beneficial. And it's only because of America and celebrity culture that we think the whatever gets the most people together is a, is a self-justifying statement. Yes. Like that in itself is a good thing that this is good. I think I wonder, I just, as you were talking, thinking through, maybe we need to move to a different, maybe analogy for what we're, what we're doing, because what you kept describing is I need to be faithful because I'm joining into something that's so much bigger than myself and that's something I can't possibly get to. I can't possibly get to the shepherding and ministry I need to. It will outlive me. It's greater than me. Obviously it is. We know why that is because it's Jesus and it's kingdom. And so I wonder if the kind of current model of ministry, right? If I can compare it to you. Uh, and again, these, these, it sounds bad. I, I don't know. It's like, it's you making a masterpiece, you erecting a statue, right? And you're yeah. doing this for God. You're doing this to help, but it is something right. you can do. You are building something for God. And, and what if instead it was, I'm playing my small role in building the cathedral, building the household yeah. of God. Because if you think about how these were done throughout Europe, you know, and throughout the Byzantine Empire, many times these took generations. Right. And and even if it didn't take a generation, all I knew how to do was the brick part. Maybe someone else knew how to do the mosaic part, right, in the Hagia Sophia in Istanbul. But I knew the one thing I was supposed to do. Right. And I could just do that every day. And it was going to become something that was so much greater. And I was, I, I played a part. I was used, right? I was used by God in that small way. But it, but it, but it wasn't because I did so much. It wasn't because I did everything. It was because I did what I was there to do. Yeah. Is there a difference here between building God's kingdom versus building your kingdom for his kingdom. Thanks for joining us for another Restless Reaction. If there's any special video or audio clip you'd like us to react to, please send it to us. We are interested in the good, the bad, and the ugly. Please rate and review this show to help other people find it.